Good morning. Can you hear me? Good, good, good. It's so good to be in the Lord's house. Thank you, Pastor, for that uh, message and song. And thank you, Mike Brooks. Been a long time. Been a long time. The Lord's good, isn't he? And, you know, I think as, as days go on, I realize more and more how just plain and simple God is good. And I think that that is um, a truth that is pivotal for us to wrap our minds around in our relationship with God. Knowing that God is good, everything in our faith, everything in our walk, every decision that we have to make, everything that God does through us in our lives is pivotal on that fact that God is good. And this morning, we're going to look at the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. If you have your Bible and want to turn there, we'll have the verses up here on the screen. And I have moved into the new technological age. I have the slides on my phone right here. But I still must rely upon Lydia to change the slides. So, But this is one step. 2 Kings chapter 2. Um, one to think about, and you all, you all help me out right here just a moment. When you think about Elijah, throw out some things at me. What do you think of when you think about Elijah? So, what? Fire from where? Heaven. Donnie's done that before, haven't you, Donnie? Right? Except you've got a little bit of an extra resource you use, Right? Okay, anybody else? I remember that when I was a kid, and if you don't know what we're talking about, Camp Bethel, the uh, call down to the fire from heaven. I remember when your dad did that. I was at Camp Bethel one time when, when I was amazed, and that I will never forget that. Anything else? What else do you think of? Anybody? Miracles. Who said something? Yes, fed by the ravens. Any of you ever felt like you've been fed by the ravens? Anybody been down by the brook? I've spent many a, many a day down by the brook. Yep, what else? Anybody remember the widow? The widow? Going to the widow, the widows um, provided there. What else? There's one name that jumps out. Starts with an A, ends with Hab. Yeah, two names. Ahab and Ahab and Jezebel. Remember those? Yep, Ahab and Jezebel. Fire from heaven, the prophets of Baal. Was this man someone who was, uh, what would be the, I'm trying to think of the right word. Someone who would stand out. Absolutely. Um, there was the, the passage there before we get to, uh, I think it's in Second uh, Kings chapter 1, where they were sending t- sent to look for Elijah. And they said, oh, uh, said, what was he wearing? You remember that? Hey, he was wearing a leather belt. Oh, yeah, that's Elijah. A big hairy man, you know, uh, beardy, beardy guy. Yeah. So he was, he was someone that distinguished himself in Scripture. Actually, uh, when we think about the prophets, he's one of the ones that we think about. Uh, we think about Moses, you know, in, in the Old Testament. We think about Elijah. 
And, and the impact that he had on the nation of Israel, in my opinion, is above most of the kings in Israel. And so as we get to chapter 2, we find out that it was coming to the point that it was the end of Elijah's service here on earth. And it says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. Now, this, this is very important here. Um, they were traveling, you know, as the prophets would do. And I, I think many times for us, it's, it's easy for us to miss the picture of a lot of things that are going on biblically because of modern technology and the things that, that we deal with. Every, everything from a journey. How many of us really thought much about planning and preparation for journey to church this morning? Fill up your car with gas, right? Fill up your car with gas. You get everything ready. Go out and crank it. You, you don't really think a whole lot. And how far did we come? You know, several miles, some of us. Some of us were right across the road. But, but we had a good little journey this morning, Sarah. How long would it have taken us if we had to walk? Two years? You underestimate yourself. <laughs> Upwise mountain. Uh, it would have taken a good journey. And, but remember here at the time, you know, when it says they were on their way, they were traveling from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. He knew what was, what was ahead for him. And the degree to which he knew all of the circumstances involved you know, I'm not sure. What do you think immediately went into his mind when Elijah began to get the picture that God was going to take him? There were two people that jumped out to me. Who was the first one? Starts with an E. Ends with Nook. Enoch, right? Enoch was translated. You remember he was taken? He, I, I love that. He walked with God, and what God just said, I heard, heard a preacher say one time, God just said he was walking along with God, and God just told him, said, we're closer to my house than yours. Come on home with me today. Can you imagine that kind of relationship with God? Wow. And the other one that jumps out to my mind is Moses. Now, Moses' departure was not quite as pleasant. I don't know the exact circumstances, but it says God took him up to the mountain, and God did what? Buried him there. So as Elijah was understanding that it was his time, that, that God was preparing him for his time, for his departure, I wonder what things were going through his mind. Do you think he was eager? Do you think he was um, in anticipation? Do you think he was in dread? I, I don't know. But I think regardless of the circumstance, I think that he was confident in God's provision and God's plan. And so as we get to this, they were traveling up, and Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. All right, the Lord gave him word to go to Bethel. Was Bethel the place that God was going to take him? I don't know if he knew or not, but he got word from God to go to Bethel. But I want you to notice the response of Elisha. Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself lives, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Now, whether he was really saying that I don't want you to go, 
I don't know. Have you ever had anybody say, say to you, well, you know, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go do that. Just don't bother yourself. You, you just stay on home and rest and relax or whatever, and, and I'll, I'll go do it myself. And then, you know, well, well yeah, I'm going to go with you. I don't want you to go along. I don't know if that was the circumstance. Or some people think that this was actually some degree of a test of Elisha's faithfulness. Because do you remember the call of Elisha? Said he was out doing what? Anybody remember that story? He was out plowing. And what was he plowing with? Oxen. And how many yoke of oxen did he have? How many? Twelve. A dozen. Donnie's going to get the, get the, the treat today. Uh, he had 12 yoke of oxen, so he was, a, he was a prominent man. He was probably, in his day, a rich man. How many of you all have 12 yoke of oxen? See, none of you all are rich as he was. Um, I've got one old bull at home. But, but he had 12 yoke of oxen, and what did he do when, when Elijah called him? Elijah took his cloak and put, him upon, put it upon him. That was symbolic that he was going to be coming under, I guess you could say, under his discipleship to follow as a prophet. And, and it says that he went back and he sacrificed the oxen. He actually killed the oxen and he burned them with the plow. There's not much going back that way. Once those oxen have been slaughtered, once, once, they've, once the burning has been done, he basically burned the ships. And so as he followed Elijah, he had made a commitment that he would follow him. But now I want you to notice this passage, and what I understand this is significant. As surely as the Lord lives, that's a vow. As sure as God is alive, I'm not going to leave you. But notice he didn't didn't just stop there. As sure as God is alive, and as sure as you are alive too, I'm not going to leave you. So he was going to follow along with him, and he made two very important vows in the process that he was going to be faithful, and he was committed to the course, not only to follow Elijah, Elijah up until a certain point, but he was, he was going to follow him all the way to the end. And Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Now Bethel was, was a good day's walking journey from what I understand the way. I've looked it up and tried to research it, and I got everything from like eight and a half miles up to about 13 and a half miles. This is a really strong hike from where they were going. But notice they were already traveling, it says, from Gilgal. So they may have been part of the way, way there. I don't know. But so as they're going down, I want you to notice what happened in the next one. It says, the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Now, this is pretty significant what's going on here. There were different schools or um, communities, I guess you could say, of young prophets that were being trained up by Elijah within different towns and cities and communities throughout Israel. And there was a group of prophets here at Bethel. Now, reading between the lines, it appears that what the Lord was sending Elijah to do was to finish up business and bid his adieu 
and to give encouragement to those young prophets, that group of young prophets at Bethel, before he was taken from the earth. And as he went down, it appears that at some point here that he has spoken to those prophets and he has told them that I'm not going to be with you anymore. I don't know what details he may have given to them. Now, some writers that are read on this passage seem to think that they may have all gotten some sort of revelation or word from God about what was going to happen. But I think it may be more of Elijah communicating with them, and there's a reason here in just a few minutes that I'll share with you. But notice what they did. After they got word, it's kind of like Elijah uh, was communicating with the prophets, sat down and met with them, encouraged them, spoke, and t- spoke to them, said, I'm not going to be with you any longer. This is the last time that you're going to see me. You all need to keep faithful to the course. You need to stay to the work that God has given you. And then they run out and they say to Elisha, Elisha, didn't you not, do you know that God is going to take your master away today? And you know what his response was? Hush. That's basically what he told him. Be quiet about it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Do you ever have anybody that just reminds you of those obvious things that you don't want to be reminded of? Yep. We, how many of you are looking at your wife or your husband? That could get you in trouble. Um, but no, we have, we have people from time to time that remind us of that thing. Well, did you know that there's this happening here and this happening there there's a leak here there's a drip here uh this isn't working right the grass needs to be mowed you know um, anytime you work you've got somebody that reminds you of those kinds of things then elijah said to elisha stay here for the lord has told me to go to jericho so see what we have here are reminded reminders to us that joining god's work brings changes it's real easy to want to stand still and stay where we are i think elisha had gotten really i don't want to call it comfortable because i was i was wanting to you there's no being comfortable with elijah in the mix okay you know when you're there with the prophet and he's stirring up all this trouble with ahab and and all of this stuff that keeps happening all these challenges that god has brought him into throughout the wilderness he's by the brook you It's not a comfortable life. But I think he had gotten accustomed to the life of being the follower. He had gotten accustomed to being the second man and supporting in the supporting role of the great prophet Elijah. That was what he was accustomed to. And then now there was the reminder from these young prophets that this is all going to change. It's all going to be different. How many of us can remember specific times and specific dates that things have just been shaken completely up in our faith and things have been changed forever? You remember things like that? A lot of times it involves a death, doesn't it? Somebody very dear and very close to you that God has taken. Sometimes it may be tragically. Sometimes it may be unexpected. Other times it may be a patriarch that we followed and that we've watched throughout the years. I think about Glay Morgan Chapel here. I've been connected to this church for a long, long time. Long, long time, right, Mike Brooks? Long, long time. I've known folks from here. And a lot of the people 
that I was connected to who were leaders in this church many years ago are going on to be with the Lord. And a lot of you were, were younger people at that time, and, were not, and some of you were not even here. And Gene and I have had some conversations here lately. We're becoming the older men. Yeah. We're not young men anymore. I remember when I used to be young like Ryan. Right? Ryan, you're going to be looking back here shortly, and your dad and I are going to be the older men in our 70s and 80s and and even beyond, and you're going to be our age complaining about the arthritis that's developing and how you can't do what you used to do and how it takes longer to get things done and to get from one place to the other. So joining God's works brings changes. Joining God's work brings changes. And sometimes for God to bring us into the place where, he, where we are doing the work that God has prepared to involve us in doing, there are a lot of changes in the place that we have with that. Now I want you to notice this part. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. So what do you think Elisha said? Okay, I'll stay here at Bethel with these prophets that are nagging me that you're not going to be around anymore. No. What did he say? Look to the next one. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. One more journey. What I understand, this may have been a little bit shorter journey, probably about five miles. And then notice what it said, another group of encouragers. So apparently the same kind of circumstance happened. Elijah spoke with the prophets there, gave them some encouragement. My time is over. Um, You're going to have to carry on the work that God has given. Then the group of prophets said, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Another reminder. And of course I know Elisha answered, But what? Be quiet about it. Don't keep reminding me. Don't keep reminding me. You know, sometimes it's very easy for us to try to avoid the things that are hurting us. Sometimes it's easy for us to try to avoid those challenges that are out there in front of us. But really, the difficult thing, but the safest thing for us to do is to take a step of faith in God. Now notice what he did. Go on to the next one, please, Lydia. And then um, it says, the group of prophets came and asked him. Fifty men from, um, going back one, Lydia. Let me make sure I'm in the right place. And of course I know, and Elisha answered, be quiet about it. Okay, skip on to the next one. Now, fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched at a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. So they had basically three stops here. The first stop was at, was at Bethel. The second stop was at Jericho. And the third stop was at the Jordan River. Now this time we had another group of young men. And they, this group of young men seemed to kind of follow along. And whether they were mixed up from the other group that may have kind of pursued along with them, you know, we don't know. But notice what happened. What happened is important here. That there was a group here that this group of people watched from the distance. 
And it says, they went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The water divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. Now this is really, really important. I want you to imagine what was going through Elisha's mind. That cloak that had been placed over him. Now, he, this, this appears to be the exact same cloak that, that he had placed over him when he called him, when he gave him the symbol that you were going to be um, joining me in the work that God has given us, and that I think that was a precursor or a prophecy that God would be ultimately calling Elisha to follow in his footsteps. And so he took this same cloak and he struck the water with it, the river divided. What does this remind you of? Moses, right? The children of Israel. As the the Red Sea parted, as the Jordan River parted, and they were here. And I want you to notice, notice this. Something that really jumps out to me is this river was a great barrier to them. Um, didn't have a great big bridge across it. They weren't crossing the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, it was not a paved highway. They came to the river to this point, and the river divided, and the two of them walked across, not on muddy ground, but on what? Dry ground. I think it's even as miraculous that not only did God part the river, but the, he dried up the ground so that they didn't even get their feet muddy as they walked through. Wow, dry ground. Now, notice this. What happened to that group of 50 prophets that watched as a distance? And I want you to get the picture here. You know, the Jordan River, as as it kind of goes down into the basin, you know, where the river flows, and this group is probably up here on a bluff or a meadow or something, up above, kind of looking down. And as they're looking down and they see all this happen, they got a front-row view of the miracle of what God was doing here. Have you ever had a front row view for a miracle of God? Have you ever had it? Have you ever experienced it in your own life? Well, you know, not like this. All of us have experienced God's miracles. Has Jesus Christ made you into a new creature? Miraculous. Miraculous. Has he saved you and forgiven your sins? Miraculous. And many times we think, well, you know, all these other people are experiencing all these wonderful things around me, and and I see God's hands in their life. We just have to look. Because we know God is always at work around us. Always. Now, I want you to notice, let's go on. And we'll finish up here shortly. And it says, and when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. What happened to the 50 prophets? They could only stay a certain distance away. Because this river was the barrier that came between them. And the next part was reserved for Elijah and Elisha. The question, what can I do for you before I'm taken away? This really reminds me a lot, and it may be somewhat prophetic of Jesus' ascension into heaven. You remember that? Right? They looked up, and what did the angel say? Why do you stand here gazing? 
their, you know, their, their jaw hit the floor, and what are we going to do now? Jesus has gone away. Elisha was kind of in the same boat. Where am I going to go from here? What am I going to do now? And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. I think he knew what was up with the successor part, right? I think he knew what was up with that. But now this part about the double share is really, really, really interesting. Because... I've always understood and always thought that what he was asking for is he wanted twice as much spirit as what Elijah had. had. You know, that, that's a big, big task, isn't it? And, you know, you can study, and didn't he perform twice as many miracles that are recorded as what Elijah had performed? Yes. But what he was asking here, the literal language that he was asking for is the double portion which the double portion is the eldest son's inheritance of the father's inheritance, okay? The eldest son would get a double portion of what the other sons got, and so that meant that he was going to be the successor as the patriarch, as the leader of the family when the father died and was gone. So basically, Elisha is saying... The challenge is before me that God has for me and I want to step into it, but I can't do it on my own. I cannot do it on my own. Have you ever had a challenge, a call from God, a work that God was calling you to that was bigger than you are? We all have. We've all experienced that. Have you ever had an I can't do it moment? Absolutely. Because guess what? We can't do it. Because when we think we can do it in ourselves, we really can't do it because we have to let God do it through us or we're going to mess it all up anyway. Did that make sense at all? Let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. So my picture at this point would be that Elijah would take that mantle and throw it on him, wouldn't he? He would do, lay hands on him, anoint him with oil. He would do some kind of ceremony or some kind of ritual that would bestow upon him. But is that what happened? Look at the next one. Verse 10, it says, you have asked a difficult thing. Have you ever prayed for patience? Those of you who said that probably have. <laughs> You know, the Bible says, what works patience? Tribulation, trials, those things work patience. So when we ask God for patience, you know, the better thing is to pray, Lord, I've got enough tribulation, trials, help me to learn patience from what I've got. So when he was asking this, I wonder if Elijah was, was questioning, do you really know what you're asking for because it's a difficult thing? I think Elisha had a big idea of what was ahead of him. I think because he had spent all this time with Elijah, he knew the lifestyle of the prophet, but he also knew the challenges that were faced. Now notice this. You ask a difficult thing. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request, but if not, then you won't. Now, I think there are two things that he's saying here in the difficult part. Number one, it's something I can't give to you because it's not mine to give. Does that make sense? It's not mine to give. I can't, 
God gave the, his spirit to me. God has called me as the prophet, so I'm not going to be the one to call you because God is ultimately the one who has to do that. And I think he's also talking about the challenge that's in front of him with it. So this is what he requested. Now notice the response here. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you'll get your request. But if not, then you won't. So basically, he surrendered this to God and said, God, this is the sign that you will give to Elisha to assure him of his place in following in my footsteps. How many of us ever want a sign? You ever want a sign? We always want a sign, don't we? It's real easy to want a sign. We always want to know, Lord... Just show me something. I thought, and I was actually talking to someone earlier this week, I really believe that there are going to be people someday who will stand before God and say, Lord, if you just did this, if, if I just really, really, really knew that you had forgiven me of my sins, my life would have been so much better as a Christian. If I just really, really, really knew that you loved me, my life would have been totally different. I wish you had just really, really, really shown me that. And the response from God would be something like, well, I told you that. I told you how much I love you. I told you I would forgive your sins if you ask me. And those promises that are there that give us the reassurance, sometimes we look for signs when we need to just look at the promises of God and accept Him at His word. Notice this. But if not, then you won't. Then we get the next part. The time has come. As they were walking and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Preacher Greg, in my confidence, you're one of the closest men I've ever known to the Lord, but I really don't want to see this happen. Can you imagine what, that, what would happen? Could you imagine that scene? It says that there was a whirlwind. And, and what this is talking about is the, the image of the whirlwind in the scriptures like a big storm with thunder and lightning and, and really imposing and threatening kind of thing. And then you notice there was a chariot of fire, the symbol of the strongest forces of military in its day. That was the strongest weapon they had were the chariots and the horses. And they they drove between the two men and separated them. God chose the time to mark the line where Elisha would not cross. That's the mark. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Can you imagine the fullness that Elisha would experience from having seen this vision, but the emptiness that he would see in watching his leader, his father in faith, going away in this fashion. Just like the disciples looking into heaven. He was carried into heaven. The time has come. Lydia, go on to the next one, please. And it says, next slide, Elisha saw it. 
and cried out. Now, this is something very important to me. I would think that this would be an exciting revelation of God's power. And it was. But it was also a fearful time. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. Your time has come, and they disappeared from sight, and Elijah tore his, or Elisha tore his clothes in distress. The, I think the King James says he rent his garments. Distress, distress, agony. Um, some of the things that I've, I've read on this passage seem to think that Elisha was just pushing himself into the situation because he really wanted to see what happened and because he wanted um, that blessing from God upon him. I think it was just deep. He did not want to let Elijah go. He wanted to keep the promise. He wanted to be with him to the end. He was faithful. He was courageous in that, even though this was one of the scariest, most fearful times that he could possibly imagine. He stood and he was faithful to the end. And when it came to the end, that he was in mourning and distress, even though he didn't die, it was still a tough time. Have you ever felt empty and left alone? Have you ever felt that you were in a place where you didn't know whether to turn from the left to the right? That was where he was at. His lowest point. But God was with him. And that's something we need to remember. When we come to those places where it seems like we don't know whether to turn left to right, whether we don't know whether to look up or cry out, when we don't know whether to hang on or let go, in the deepest points... In the lowest points of our walk with God, Jesus is right there in the midst of it. Then we come to the last part. Lady. And Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. And I want you to notice what he did. The only thing he knew to do was to turn around and continue to go back. And he returned. I love this part. This this is just amazing to me. He returned to the bank of the Jordan River. I'm on the wrong side. You ever been on the wrong side of the river? Needing to get to the other side? I got lost on the wrong side of Bristol one time. Couldn't get across the railroad tracks. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. But he was on the wrong side of the river, and it says he struck the water with Elijah's cloak, which had fallen, and he cried out, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Now, this statement right here is puzzling. And I think the puzzling part of it is this, because I think this is not a statement of a lack of faith. I think this is actually a statement of faith. Because what he was asking is, Lord, show me yourself. Let me see you in your glory today. Let me see you in my life as you were in Elisha's life. 
Let me see you demonstrating your power in me just like I've seen it in Elijah time after time after time again. So this is his invitation to God. Lord, here I am, work in me. And it says, where is the Lord God? Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? The river divided and Elisha went across. Absolutely amazing. Have we ever felt like that we could see God working in all the people around us, but yet we couldn't see him working in us? I've been there before. I've been there many times when it seemed like that this was working out for this person, and this was working out for that person, and that was working out for this person. But it seemed like in my life, God was far, far away. I think many times I needed to invite him to work and let him do his work, not mine. See, we tend to ask God, Lord, help me in my work. I've got what I'm doing, I've got my plans, I've got how I want to do things, I've got my ministry the way I want to do my ministry, and Lord, come help me do it. Do you see the difference? When in actuality, God is doing the work, and God is inviting us to come and join Him, and we need to say, Lord, let me join you in your work. Then notice what it says in the next part, and we're going to close on this. It says the group of the prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened. They said, wow. Notice what they did. Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. I think this was a demonstration to them that the Lord had passed to Elisha as the successor. And they went to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him. Sir, they said, just say the word and 50 of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. This is why I really don't think that what they were given was a prophetic word from the Lord to them personally. I think they were taught, taught from Elijah that he was going to be taken away and he wouldn't be with them any longer. And they said, well, let's go track him down. And we can read in the next verses that he said, no, no, don't do that. He said, said, don't do it. And they kept aggravating him until he said, okay, go ahead. And then he came back and said, we couldn't find him. He said, yeah, I told you so. But there's a big important lesson to be looked at in this, and I'm going to say this in closing. The last thing. Don't be discouraged from that last passage. Don't be discouraged when some people don't get it. When the Lord's working in your life, there are going to be people around us that will watch from a distance, and they just won't get what God's doing. You know what I'm saying? There are always people who are watching God work and are observing from a distance and really just don't see what God's doing. Don't be discouraged by that. Keep following the Lord. Be faithful to the end. Notice what he says here. Being filled with faith leads to faithfulness. I think one of the characteristics that stands out about Elisha is his faithfulness. God placed the call upon him. He was the follower. He was the second man. And yet he was faithful to the Lord because he was full of faith. 
If we want to be faithful, if we want to be faithful to the call that God has placed upon us, if we want to be faithful to what God has brought us in to do and the place where God has allowed us to join Him in what He's doing in our lives, then we, first of all, must be filled with faith in God. We have to have a... I guess you could say, a desire within us to trust in God. Our determination, our determination to keep pushing ahead, to keep moving on. Think about that determination of Elisha. I'm not going to wait here. Three different times. I'm not going to wait here. I'm not going to wait here. I'm going to go with you to the end. As long as God lives, which is forever, and as long as you're still living, I'm going to be by your side. And it took the chariot of fire to separate him. And that's when God said, this is enough. You've followed to the end. That determination came from a confidence in God's faithfulness. God is trustworthy. He's worthy of your trust. Pastor Greg. God's faithful. Now I want to just ask you today. God's faithful. We all face challenges. We all face barriers. We all face challenges. We all face barriers. We all face places where it seems like we don't know which way to go. Sometimes it may even seem like that with Elisha that God is separating us from the place that we see where we need to be. And the whole time God is working and God is moving. And many times it's difficult for us to see. Be full of faith. God is trustworthy. Be full of faith, and you will be found faithful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're so good and you're so merciful to us. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you, Lord, for the example of these great men of God that just followed along, faithful to the end in their service to you. Not only that, Lord, but trusting you, even when they were by the brook and it seemed like the whole world was against them. Father, today we just pray that you just grant us that courage. Help us to see the places, Lord, where you're working in our lives and where you're inviting us to join you. Father, we pray that this church, all the different transitions that we face, all of the different challenges that we face as believers in Christ as we join together in fellowship, Lord, bring us closer that we can work together to the end in the course that you've laid before us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name.